I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me once again in the book of Acts. We're going to be in Acts chapter 13, pick up where we left off last week, beginning in verse 13 and walking through verse 52. And our series title has been Church on the Move. The title of this message is The Heart of the Matter. Now, as we prepare to dive into God's Word, listen, this past week has been an incredibly difficult week, not only in the life of our nation, but just in my life personally, as I've watched things transpire that I never thought would happen. You know, as we uh, left off last week, we talked about the senseless murder of George Floyd. We talked about uh, some of the issues surrounding that and that the scripture addresses those issues. You know, as I've looked and listened this past week at some of our Black brothers and sisters share their stories. I've been heartbroken over those issues. I've been heartbroken as well as I've talked with police officers, one being my own brother who condemned the murder of George Floyd, but who also is fearful as he goes out because cops are being targeted right now. There's riots, there's protests, there's looting that's going on, and all of the things that are taking place are trying to come to grips with what is the answer? How do we address injustice? How do we deal with the problems that are going on in our country? You've got political parties who are trying to put forward their answers of here's how you handle this and different groups who are saying we have the answer to this. And all of those things fail, I believe, most of the time to address the heart of the matter. The issues that we face in this country regarding race, the issues that we face in this country regarding injustice, the issues that we face in our marriages, the issues that we face raising our kids, all of these issues are gospel issues. And the prevailing wisdom of our culture displaces the gospel in talking about these issues the majority of the time. And so Jesus made this very, very clear that the wise man builds his house on the rock. That is a solid foundation. And I want you to know, and I want to remind us as a church family, that the solid foundation that must be built before all of these issues can be addressed in the way that they need to be addressed is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is our foundation. We can build all kinds of structures, but if that is not at the foundation, Everything that we do will be in vain. It will not last. It will not have a sure foundation. And I want you to know that as we've been walking our way through the book of Acts, I want you to know that what's going on in the culture at this point is not a lot different than what we're experiencing in our culture today. You know, there were crazy injustices that were taking place. I mean, if you look at the idolatry worship that's going on in the first century, if you look at the fact that they were worshiping the emperor at this point as if he was a god, if you look at some of the things that were going on with the way uh, slaves were treated and the fact that there were even slaves to begin with, the fact that children and women were viewed as property in this point in time. If you look at all of those issues, what I find so fascinating is the fact that the early church could have singled out and addressed one of those issues specifically. But what the early church focused on and what we must be focused on is the gospel of Jesus Christ being proclaimed. Because 
If someone's life is transformed by the gospel, then their family is transformed by the gospel and their communities can be transformed by the gospel and their societies can be transformed by the gospel and the world can be transformed by the gospel. And so the early church focused in on the main thing, on the heart of the matter, true life change only takes place when the gospel of Jesus Christ is at the foundation of what takes place in someone's life. And so as we look at the text, I want us to be reminded of that important truth, that if we get everything else right and we miss the gospel, nothing that we think we've gotten right will accomplish what we intend for it to accomplish because the only truth that speaks to the heart of every issue is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to unpack that a little bit more as we walk through the application of the text. But I want us to look at the text this morning. I want us to focus in on Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse 13. I want you to look and see the gospel of Jesus Christ being proclaimed both to the Jews and to the Gentiles once again by the Apostle Paul. And so I want to read for us the text. It's almost 40 verses, so hang in there with me. We're going to walk through that. We're going to pray, and then we're going to look at what the text says. Then we'll walk back through some application in our own lives personally as we seek to apply the text. So listen to God's word, what Luke records beginning in verse 13. He says, Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John left them and returned to Jerusalem. But they went on from Perga and came to Antioch and Pisidia. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. So Paul stood up and motioning with his hand said, Men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people Israel chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with uplifted arm, he led them out of it. And for about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. And after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance. All this took about 450 years. And after that, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. Of this man's offspring, God brought to Israel a savior, Jesus, as he promised. Before his coming, John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he. No, but behold, after me one is coming, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. Brothers, the sons of the family of Abraham and those among you who fear God, to us have been sent the message of this salvation. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him nor understand the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning him. And though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried him out, all that was written of him, 
They took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. And we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus, as also it is written in the second Psalm, you are my son, and today I have begotten you. And as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken in this way. I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore, he says also in another Psalm, you will not let your Holy One see corruption. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses." Beware, therefore, lest what is said in the prophets come about. Look, you scoffers, and be astounded and perish. For I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe, even if no one tells it to you. As they went out, the people begged that these things might be told to them the next Sabbath. And after meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. And since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing, and the leading men of the city stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we'd be able to see. That you would open our ears that we would be able to hear. And that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down this main idea that frames the text for us. The heart of the matter is always the heart. The heart of the matter is always the heart. And what we see taking place in the text is Paul and Barnabas continuing to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, continuing to go into the city and to proclaim first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles, sharing with them the hope that is found in the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we see in verses 13 through verse 35, the good news of what God has done. You see, what Paul does is he goes back and he traces, beginning with Abraham, the fact that God has provided for his people, the fact that God has 
continuously open the door for his people to have a relationship with him and promise to them that a savior would come who would make it possible for them to have a relationship with him, to have their sins forgiven. And we see that Paul highlights the fact that that is Jesus Christ. He is the Savior, the Son of God that was sent to this earth so that we could have a relationship with our Heavenly Father through Jesus' death and His resurrection. And so we see there that Paul highlights that. He points those Jewish people who were gathered in the synagogue after the text was read, he points them back saying, look at what God has done. Look at God's faithfulness. Look at God's provision. Look at Jesus Christ. Your hope is not in doing good works. Your hope must be in the Savior, in Jesus. And so we see the good news of what God has done. But I want you to notice in verses 36 through verse 43, the good news of what God is doing. So not only does he highlight the fact that what God has done, but he says here, listen, this promise is for you. This ability to repent of your sin, to turn, to claim salvation that Jesus Christ's death provides for you, you can respond to that message today. You can believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. You can receive the free gift of salvation. What God had promised had come true, and you can partake of that promise. You can be saved from your sins. Now, the interesting thing is that those Jewish people heard this message, heard Paul proclaim this, and some were intrigued. Some wanted to hear it the next day. And the fact had spread of exactly what was going to take place that Paul and Barnabas were sharing this message of hope in Jesus Christ. And so it says that almost the entire town gathered together, that they wanted to hear this message. They wanted to know what is this message that's being proclaimed. And what we find out is that the Jewish people didn't like that. They didn't want the Gentiles to come in. They thought they were better than them. They thought that they shouldn't hear the same message, that they began to ridicule Paul and to ridicule Barnabas and to say that what these guys are saying can't be true. There's no way. And so in this moment, Paul and Barnabas turn and they say, listen, we came to you first as our brothers to share with you the message of the hope that the gospel of Jesus Christ brings, but you are rejecting that. And so we are turning our attention now to the Gentiles. And so what we see is not only the good news of what God has done in the history past and the good news of what God is doing and saving people then, but also the good news of what God will do in verses 44 through verse 52 as Paul and Barnabas turn their attention to the Gentiles and proclaim the message of the gospel to them, to share with them that their lives can be transformed by what Christ accomplished for them on the cross. And so for them, who were many of them trapped in idol worship, trapped in pagan idolatry, trapped in sexual immorality, of following the lust of the flesh, doing whatever they felt like doing, they heard the message of the gospel for the first time and they respond in faith, grabbing a hold of the truth of the gospel, which transforms their lives. And so what we see take place again in the book of Acts is Paul and Barnabas, at other points, it's been Peter. At other points, it's been the other disciples. It's been Philip who are proclaiming the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who are speaking into a culture that has all kinds of issues. But their focus 
their heartbeat, what they know must take place at the foundational level, if any type of transformation is going to happen in people's lives, is that the gospel of Jesus Christ must first be believed. That the truth of who Jesus Christ is must be proclaimed and people must place their faith and trust in him for salvation. And so what we see in the text, once again, in the book of Acts, is that the disciples, that Paul is primarily concerned with people's hearts. He's not concerned primarily with the outward actions because he knows that if their hearts can be transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, just like his heart was transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, it will take them from where they are to where they need to be in right relationship with God and in right relationship with their fellow man. And so for the early church, there were a number of issues that could be addressed, but there was one primary issue that they knew if they could get this right, if they could get this message out, if they could see people respond by faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, if the gospel was of primary importance, that it would transform people's lives, it would transform families, it would transform communities, it would transform the world. And I think the reason that the early church was as successful as it was and saw the incredible impact that it saw is because they kept what was primary, primary. They knew that the gospel must be the foundation of life transformation in any person's life. And so we take some time to sing. I want you to reflect on that truth. The fact that the gospel of Jesus Christ is what's primary, that we as a church are called to proclaim, and that we must be willing to make sure that the gospel of Jesus Christ is our primary message. And we must be willing to trust that when a person's life is transformed by the gospel, it will result in a life that is transformed to look more and more like Jesus Christ, our Savior. So let's sing together and let's reflect on the truth that we see in the text this morning. So let's take a few moments and walk back through the text, thinking about some application that we can pull from the text and apply into our lives so that our lives are transformed by God's word. That's the promise that the Lord gives us is that his word will not return void. And so as we study it together, as we seek to apply it in our lives, we know that it's going to accomplish what it needs to accomplish. So let's think about that first truth that we talked about, that the good news of what God has done was proclaimed by Paul. I want you to just walk with me a little bit through history, not just biblical history, but through history in general. I, you may know this or not, I majored in history in college, and so I love history. I love to read history books. I love to read biographies. I love to see how God has worked in people's lives throughout uh, the centuries to see and understand a little bit about how he works in people's lives and how he continues to work in my life and in other people's lives. And, you know, one of the things that has come to the forefront in all of the conversation is how do we address issues that are going on in our world? And I, and I said this from the get-go, that I believe that we've got to get the foundation right. And let me, let me just extrapolate on that a bit so that you and I can come to an understanding of here's what I mean by that. You may look and say, well, gosh, we've got to do something. 
We've got to do something. Like we, we can't just talk about stuff. We've got to actually put action behind what we're doing. And I fully agree with that, but I want us to tie our action to the life transformation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because here's what's going on in our culture today. Sides are being formed that portray as if they have the answers of how we address whatever issues are going on in our culture. This is always the case. It's just coming to the forefront now with racial issues, but it happens with marriage. It happens with raising kids. It happens with all kinds of issues that are going on in our culture where sides pop up and they say, here's how we respond to this, or here's how we respond to this. But all of those things are simply the scaffolding that is being built up and it doesn't address the foundational issues. And here's what I mean by that. When we look at the scriptures, what we see from the get-go is what mankind is and why mankind is valuable. We see beginning in Genesis chapter one that it is God who creates man in his image. We see God reaffirm that even after the fall when Mankind sins, we see even after that, that life is precious because man is created in the image of God. And we are reaffirmed with that truth as we walk through the Old Testament. We see even the scriptures uphold that, regardless of whether it's with the Jewish people or whether it's with those outside of the Jewish people in the Old Testament, that God's heart is for all people. And the reason is because God created all people. They were all knit together, the psalmist tells us, in their mother's womb by the hands of a creator who loves them and desires to have a relationship with them. So for us, what we have to understand is that every other entity is offering answers but never addressing the foundational issue. The foundational issue is a biblical issue. It is a gospel issue. Our marriages are a gospel issue because they reflect, the scriptures tell us in Ephesians chapter 5, Christ's love for the church. Racial issues are gospel issues because we are all created in the image of God. Raising children also are gospel issues because we are called to raise up our children in the faith. And so what we see is that every issue that's faced in our culture and in our society is always a gospel issue. And what's easy in the culture to do is to bypass a Christian worldview, to bypass the gospel, and to seek to come up with answers of addressing the issues at hand. But if you never deal with the fundamental issues at play and you don't have a biblical worldview that lays the groundwork for how you respond, then it's never going to work. And what's going on today is oftentimes that. And I want to caution you, believer, do not allow the culture to dictate to you how to respond to issues that is absent from a clear picture of what the gospel is all about. True life transformation takes place because of a heart transformation, which can only take place when someone surrenders their life to Jesus Christ. Now, I've talked about that in the sense of how that plays itself out in scripture, but I want you to just think about how it plays itself out even in history. I read a biography not long ago about a man named William Wilberforce, who was instrumental member of parliament in Great Britain, who led the abolishment of the slave trade. And what happens is he 
goes to the scriptures, the gospel has transformed his life to the point that he recognizes that what's going on in the slave trade is abject against what's going on in scripture. And so he says, we have to address this issue because this is a gospel issue. And so from the foundation of a gospel issue, he looks and says, how then do we respond politically to outlaw slavery? How do we take care of this because this is a gospel issue? We see the exact same thing take place during the Holocaust. We see that there are those who are responding in making sure that there's a gospel issue at the forefront of the persecution that was taking place of the Jews, of recognizing that these are people that are created in the image of God. Someone like a Dietrich Bonhoeffer read a biography of him as well. That's one of the things that as a German, he was put on notice that you better keep your mouth shut about these gospel issues of why Jews should be valued as people because they're created in God's image. You need to get in line with what's going on here. But he says, no, this is a gospel issue. And I'm going to stand on the word of God and I'm going to do what needs to be done to make sure that this injustice cannot continue on. And so today, the exact same thing holds true for us. These issues that we're facing today are gospel issues. They've been gospel issues in history past. They are gospel issues today. And the only lasting change, the only lasting transformation that can take place is if the gospel of Jesus Christ transforms people's lives. And so here's what I want to encourage you and challenge you with is that you and I as believers, as the church, must be certain that the gospel is our sounding call, that we are so committed to making sure that what we communicate is gospel matters, that that is not just an afterthought thrown into the mix, but that is the foundation for how we address issues in our world, issues in our own lives, issues in our culture. That's the way that people's lives were transformed in history past by the Lord, and that's the way that lives are going to be transformed moving forward as well. And so here's the thing that's been so just discouraging to me and disappointing to me is seeing fellow brothers and sisters in Christ at each other's throats over the issues that we're facing right now. That for whatever reason, and I, I, I think it's a spiritual warfare issue that we're witnessing right now. I think that for what we are seeing take place in our country, for what we're seeing take place in the world at this moment, I think that Satan is doing everything he can to drive a wedge between believers to get their eyes off of the heart issues that are taking place and to direct it in any other way. To think that a political party is going to be the answer, to think that some type of law that's enacted is going to be the answer. And I want you and I to be committed to the reality that true transformation takes place at a gospel heart level. The heart of the matter is always the heart. And so maybe this past week you've said things, you've posted things, you've interacted with people in such a way that 
the gospel of Jesus Christ wasn't at the forefront. And let's just, let's just shoot real with each other right now. You conducted yourself in such a way with people that was an ungodly way to conduct yourself with them. And I want you to know that's a gospel issue. That is a sin issue that you need to ask forgiveness from the Lord for and that you need to go to that other person and ask forgiveness from them. Because here is the truth. If the church of Jesus Christ cannot unite around life transformation when the gospel of Jesus Christ takes root in people's hearts, then we have lost the message of hope in this culture. We have adopted wholesale someone else's ideas of how change can take place, and we have given up the truth of God's word. And I am not willing to do that as your pastor, and we are not willing to do that as a church. And here's the other thing I want to speak to and I want to challenge you with and I want to challenge myself with is that gospel transformation doesn't happen overnight. We like things to be fixed right now. We want things to be taken care of immediately. We live in an instant society and the problem is the gospel of Jesus Christ transforming people's hearts doesn't happen overnight. It didn't happen overnight in your heart, and it's not happening overnight in my heart, but it is a long obedience in the same direction. It is when the gospel of Jesus Christ continues day after day, week after week, year after year, transforming our lives so that we look more and more like Jesus Christ, that true transformation can be seen around us. And so you may be incredibly quick to call out what you see in someone else's life and to say, I can't believe you would say that or do that or believe that or promote that or whatever it may be. And I want to challenge you to simply ask the question of yourself and of that person as you think about them as a fellow image bearer with you. Am I willing to take the time to engage with this person in such a way that I'm willing for transformation to take place, not over 30 seconds, but over 30 years. That I'm willing to walk with this person. I'm willing to engage with them and to discuss with them and to hear them out and for them to hear me and for us maybe to disagree, but continue to pray for one another and to seek the best for one another and continue to ask the Lord to transform our hearts. Maybe as well, there needs to be a sense of humility on your part to stop thinking that you've got it all figured out. See, here's the one thing I've realized, and I've got degrees, I've studied the scriptures for a long time. I don't have this figured out. I don't have all the answers. I am a constant learner. God is constantly at work transforming my heart to look more and more like Jesus Christ. And there is a sense of humility that comes with that, of recognizing that I don't have all the answers. I don't know how to respond best in every scenario. I don't know how to engage in the issues that are going on the proper way every single time. And I just know that I'm not going to satisfy everyone's desires or fulfill everyone's expectations. But here's what I'm willing to do. I'm willing to approach issues 
One, from a gospel perspective, and two, with a perspective of humility, asking the Lord that as we engage, as we talk, as we discuss, as we debate, that we are doing it with a sense of humility, that we are willing to have a conversation. That's one of the things that I love about the scriptures and that we see take place in the early church. There was a lot of disagreement. There were a lot of interactions that were not very positive, but what we see in the scriptures is this consistent humility of allowing the Lord to transform our hearts in such a way that what takes place in our lives can take place in other people's lives. You see, one of the worst things that we see in the text is the Pharisees who Jesus said were simply whitewashed tombs. They looked as if everything was great on the outside, and yet what Jesus knew is that in their hearts, it was absolutely dead. And I want to caution you, and I want to caution myself that we don't do things so that the outward appearance looks like we've got this thing figured out, so that the outward appearance looks like we have all the answers. I want us to respond in such a way, in humility, so that we cultivate the Lord working in our hearts, so that we allow our hearts to be transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit continuing to work in us. And we are willing for that to take place without all the answers, but knowing that as the Lord transforms our hearts, as we understand more of who he is and what he's called us to do, and when we speak up, we do it from a sense of humility and we do it in concert with other believers that we are able to see transformation take place in our community and in our culture and in our world. There's a lot of issues that we're dealing with today as a society. There's a lot of issues that we're dealing with as a culture. And in no way am I saying don't seek to address those issues. Don't seek to engage in those issues. That's not at all what I'm saying. What I am saying is make sure that as a fellow believer that you know that every single issue is a hard issue. And that the gospel of Jesus Christ must transform people's lives if true change is going to take place, if true transformation is going to happen. And realizing all along that as we seek to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, we also need to allow the Holy Spirit to continue to cultivate our hearts as well so that we are willing for the Lord to continue to transform us so that we don't sit up as Pharisees in our culture saying we've got all the answers, but we are willing to humble ourselves in the culture, but continue to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and to walk with people through issues, to walk with marriages that are falling apart, to walk with issues in raising kids, to walk in racial issues in such a way that our hope is not in some world system that is going to accomplish something, but our hope is in Jesus Christ transforming lives. The call that God has placed on the church is the call to focus on the heart. And the heart is only transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the heart is transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, it transforms the way people live in the world. The answer is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And until that is the foundation, what we desire to see will never be seen. What we desire to take place will never take place. What we desire to see happen will never happen. 
And so I want to encourage you, and I want to encourage me, I want to encourage us as a church family that we in this season of political unrest, of unrest in terms of racial issues, of unrest continuing with this pandemic. You know, there's a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of differing opinions. There's a lot of solutions that are being tossed out. I want us as the church, as believers, to know and to stand on the truth that the gospel of Jesus Christ, that is our calling. Proclaiming that, lifting that high, because when Christ is lifted up, he draws men and women and boys and girls to himself, and their lives are transformed as a result of that, and their families are transformed, and their communities are transformed, and this world is transformed. Church family, I love you. I believe that in this time, the answers may not be very apparent, but one thing is very, very true. The gospel of Jesus Christ is our call. It is the siren that is blaring for the church that we must be about making sure that the heart of the matter is always the heart. And until the heart is transformed by the gospel, it will never transform the way someone lives their lives. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you once again for your word. And God, we are living in unprecedented times. Father, we're living in times where there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of anger, there's a lot of unrest. Father, we're living in time of injustice. And Father, we gather as your church, as North River Church, and we recognize that our calling in this culture, our responsibility in this culture, first and foremost, is that we keep the heart of the matter the heart that we are primarily focused on proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, trusting that when the gospel of Jesus Christ transforms someone's life, it will transform the way they live their lives. When we uphold the truth of the scriptures, that all of the injustices that are seen, all of the injustices that are experienced are directly addressed by the scriptures, that every life is made in the image of God, that every life from the womb to the tomb is precious in your sight. Father, that we are willing to lock arms with fellow believers and stand for truth and for justice, that we are willing to proclaim the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ as the great hope for our culture and for our world. Father, when tempers rise, would you give us humility? Father, when we think we have it all figured out, would you remind us of the caution Jesus gave to the Pharisees of his day? that they look good on the outside, but there was not transformation on the inside. Would you help us to be primarily focused not only on proclaiming the gospel, that, that the gospel would take root in our own lives, that it would transform our hearts, and that we would see our lives change the way we live them in this culture. Father, use this text, use the truths that we've encountered today to change us, to change our community, to change our world. And we ask that in Jesus' name, amen. I want you to sing with us in this time of response and I want you to allow the Lord to search your heart. As we sing, allow the Lord to work in and through you. Maybe this is an opportunity for you to turn from sin this past week and the way that you've 
engage with someone else to seek reconciliation and forgiveness. Maybe it's an opportunity for you to just pause in this moment and ask the Lord to do a fresh work in your heart of transformation. I want to encourage you. Don't just gloss over what we've seen and what we've talked about today. Allow it to sink deep in your heart to transform you so that you're not the same person tomorrow that you were when you woke up today. Let's sing together.